The following presentation is brought to you by KMmedia.pro. Please visit KMmedia.pro for more information. Now stay right where you are as we present. Welcome to Positive Talk Radio, evolving ideas, one conversation at a time. Great guests, dynamic stories and interviews, plus new thoughts on a wide range of topics and concepts. I hope that you'll hang with me, Kevin McDonald, my friends, and of course, you, as together we work to understand why we are all here and what we can do to make our world a better place for all of us to be happy, be kind, and live in peace together. Yep, that's Positive Talk Radio. And welcome to a Wednesday edition of Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald. I'm your host, but we've got more important things to talk about today. First of all, Eric, how are thou? Hey, good afternoon, Kevin. Happy uh, post-4th of July. Uh, I hope you had a good one. Yeah, likewise. Things are pretty good, I think. Yes, I I live in a uh, 55-plus community, so we did nothing. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens (laughs) with... No fireworks or anything, so uh, that worked out just dandy for me. Cool. Uh, but we we've got a great show for you today, and I want to uh, let everybody know that uh, Holly Berry is with us, and she is my co-host for today. Holly, how are you? I am wonderful. Thank you so much for having me on today. Well, you know, it's really important that we had you on today because you also, in your part of your work, part of your, and that's where we actually met was when my mother passed away and you were the funeral director that helped us navigate the waters through that. And I, first of all, want to publicly thank you for that. You made it a lot easier for the family uh, with your demeanor and how you, you handled the situation. So thank you. It's a tough job. Oh, thanks. I'm so glad I could help. Yeah, it it was, it was fun when I first met you. We, we're stuck in Zoom waiting for everyone else to show up. And you had this awesome microphone and headphones. And I was like, well, what do you do for work? <laughs> and we were instant friends. <laughs> it worked out really, really nicely. And the, the our guest for this hour, I met uh, some time ago. And she's got a program called Soaring Spirits International. And we're going to be talking about that today. And I'm actually going to let Holly, and her name is, by the way, Michelle Neff Hernandez. And uh, we're going to let them talk really about uh, about things that uh, involve grief and widowhood and what all of that looks like. And that's what Soaring Spirits International is really all about, is taking care of uh, people that, that lose a spouse and um i just i just wanted to say at the top of the at the top of the show is that given the events of what happened on uh, fourth of july and uh the pandemic and all of that uh, over a million people have died of the pandemic and um <clears throat> there have been 300 mass shootings this year alone that there's a lot of people that are are can are finding themselves in a period of grief when they thought they were going to a parade and uh and people died at that parade and 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 so it's a, it's what what Michelle does and we can talk about her story a little bit but what Michelle does and has spent the last i believe it's 16 years isn't that right Michelle 16 14 but okay. 16 myself yes our organization's 14 years old and i have my husband died 16 years ago so for me personally it's been 
it's been almost 17 years actually coming up next month and so because of the losing your husband and you lost your husband at an early age when he was not yet 40 and uh, um, you felt the need because you were looking for resources resources on how to help people and there wasn't one there wasn't <laughs> much there and so you took it upon yourself and that's what i really want to focus on today is that you have taken upon yourself to do some extraordinary work with uh helping newly widowed people and uh, widowed people in general uh have success in their new life as it were you've reached four million people you have 70 re regional groups this astounded me 69 percent are parenting minor children and you're sending out 10,000 free by the way it's free 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 uh newly widowed packets a year and 20,000 reach outreach cards so you are of consequence you're doing a lot you've got a widow uh, uh camp coming up uh, we're going to talk about that and also your resilience um center that i want to talk about but but i wanted to introduce holly again to this because she's she may have a question right off the top for you <laughs> i well when i first visited the website today i was excited to see all the linked websites as well to it so just as like a first time visitor there on the website it would be cool to understand how they're all related um and kind of a little bit of the origin story and history about the different programs and and how they came on board with each other and grew yeah that well thank you for um taking a look and i actually i'm just wanted to say to both of you thanks so much for having me i love talking about all of the support that's offered for widowed people in part because as kevin said uh when my husband died i was 35 he was 39. we had a blended family of six so i was parenting kids I was one of that 67%. Um, and I didn't know where to go to find other people who were living a similar experience. And so all of the programs of Soaring Spirits, to sort of answer your question generally, are intended to create community and build uh, peer support programs for widowed people. So we began with the Soaring Spirits website, uh, which houses sort of everything we offer um, and can point you in the direction of a multitude of other websites because some of the programs grew so big they needed their own websites. Um, we started with just the one, like I said, 14 years ago. So this last May was our 14th year of service to the widowed community. And the Soaring Spirits website will provide you with a program overview of both our virtual and our in-person programs. And uh, that will then connect you if you're interested in digging further to our in-person event, which uh, Kevin referenced, which is called Camp Widow. Uh, it is held in four different locations. Right now we're coming up to our San Diego, California event, which will be July 15th to the 17th. And Camp Widow is kind of a, a meshing, I guess you can say, of a conference, a retreat, and a high school reunion. <laughs> I, I always tell people the reunion part is really important because 40% um, of the people who come to Camp Widow are return campers. And that means they've attended at least one camp, but many times they've attended multiple camps. 
And people might wonder, well, why would you come back? Shouldn't you go to Camp Widow like a once one time fix sort of thing? <laughs> but the truth is that people come to find their community. And once they found their community, that sense of reunion is kind of built by people coming back and being able to check in with each other and share where they've been, where their grief journey has taken them, where their life has taken them over the last year or, or however long it's been since last they met. So Camp Widow is held in California, in Florida, Tampa, Florida, in Brisbane, Australia, and Toronto, Ontario, on, yes, Toronto, Ontario, in right. Canada. So um, th- that has its own uh, whole website. So the Camp Widow website will be focused just on the Camp Widow event. We also have, as Kevin mentioned, regional social groups. Um, those were intended, when I was widowed, I realized so often, it wasn't that I wasn't invited necessarily to attend um, different things, parties and events. It was that I so often felt like I was a third wheel or a fifth wheel or a seventh wheel. And so our regional social groups are developed to help widowed people rebuild their social structure because when you're no longer partnered, it is so difficult sometimes to figure out how to sort of rebuild as a single person when your world is populated oftentimes by coupled people. And so the regional social groups are working all throughout North America. We have over 70 groups, um, including one in Ireland, one in Japan, and one coming up in the United Emirates um, serving in Dubai. So They are led by volunteers who have come through our programs, decided that they wanted to find a way to give back and are offering a hand to other widowed people by creating community in their local areas. Those programs will be found on the Soaring Spirits website. Now, 14 years ago, when you started this, did you think that it was going to be this big? Definitely not. I had no idea what I was doing. All I I thought was, you know, I really, I wanted it to be easier for widowed people to find each other. Um, and, and to be clear, our, the Soaring Spirits programs, because we're all focused on peer support, we don't offer therapeutic services. So we don't offer your classic support groups. What we think of is that Soaring Spirits can sit beside whatever other things people are doing to support themselves. So that might include individual therapy, that might include a support group, that might include, um, you know, grief share or any of the other programs that exist to help people process their grief. Soaring Spirits is a peer community. So our job is sort of to sit beside everyone as they make their way through the grief experience. Because the hardest day, often people imagine that it's the day your person dies. But I think the truth is that rebuilding your life is actually the hard work of grief. It's finding a way to create something meaningful for yourself in the aftermath of the death of someone whose life was a pivotal part of your own. And so that ongoing work um, is enhanced so greatly by having a community to do it with. And, And that's the work of Soaring Spirits. I've been told that it isn't the first year because everybody tends to rally around uh, special events in the first year. It really is the second year and the third year where everybody's gone back to their lives and it's Christmas and you're still grieving for the person that, that died. And uh, is that, is that been your experience? Is that, is that a, a real thing? 
it's definitely a real thing, but I do like to offer this bit of hope. So if there's anyone who's who's newly grieving and you're thinking to yourself, oh no, the second year is going to be harder. Um, it is harder in a different way. I think what the reality is, is that shock starts to wear off. And so we go through that whole first year sort of numb to what's happening and trying to just make our way through every day. Our bodies um, physiologically, emotionally, um, really do shut down and and help us to filter out everything else because this this experience is so big that we just don't have everything we couldn't process it all at once and so as that shock starts to wear off and you begin living your real life every day with your person um, no longer physically present that's when you start having to figure out like oh okay this is real I have to make a life for myself and so I think that's the hard work of the second and third year even into many years after and one of the reasons why it's so challenging for people who grieve is because many people assume that after that first year they should be done when the truth is after that first year the grief the, the shock is wearing off and so now you're really stepping into your grief in a new way it's not the same as it was in that first year so oftentimes not as desperate in the same kind of i can't believe this is happening to me way but also you still can't believe this is happening to you and um and it has become your daily reality i i i I have to ask this question because i haven't asked i've never asked holly this question because we've never really talked about being a funeral director and other than when she helped our family but what is it like when you are working with newly grieving people every day how how does how does that work for you well on the funeral director side um because there's a lot of different professions that wrap around and help with that um from the funeral director side you definitely see a lot of shock. Um, sometimes they've been through the shock phase and this is the initial, this isn't the long-term readjustment type shock. This is like, you know, the very, very first shock where they're on straight function, just trying to function and act normal mode. Um, sometimes that happened more in the hospital setting or other, some other setting. And then they've come into the funeral home and it's wore off a little bit. So they're going through like the anger or, you know, other emotions as well. Um, so our, our job, if that's kind of where you're going with it is to help get them through the legal and the physical processes um, that they need to, to be able to, um, complete a disposition is what the state calls it, where it has that final, um, decision made and transfer of the person's body into whatever, um, they want to do. Nowadays we have, um, alkaline hydrolysis or aqua cremation by water. There's still the traditional cremation burial. There's also in Washington anyway, here, there's also the, um, soil-based reduction or, um, decomposition as well. So there's a lot of things that have to happen in order for them to get their loved one to that complete, um, process there. And so our job is to, you know, help them through that from beginning to end. And then if you're lucky, if you work somewhere that has a nice um, follow-up and aftercare program, you actually get to stay somewhat connected with them, you know, even if it's on a lighter touch basis for the next few months or years, and also try to connect them to other support services that are adjacent to you, but not our specialty. So, um, you know, exactly organizations like um, Soaring Spirits and Michelle's would be a perfect one for um, people that just lost their husbands or spouses. Yeah. 
Michelle, is it is it me or given the last couple of years, is there a higher percentage? And I don't even know that you'll know this, but is there a higher percentage of unexpected um, passings that is, that has gone on with when people lose somebody that like through COVID that they got mm-hmm. sick and then I knew somebody that they got sick and, and died three days later. And is there a higher percentage of that? And how does that affect those people? Because they're not prepared. If somebody's got cancer or they've got a heart disease or something like that, they can be a kind, they're kind of aware and kind of prepared. But if it's just totally out of the blue, unexpected, does that change the level of grief that they feel? I don't think that it changes the level of grief. I think it changes the way you enter your grief. And so um, there's definitely nuance to each type of experience. And especially for the widowed community, what I often tell them is, you know, we all arrive at the day where we know our person's not coming home in a different way. And how we got there is definitely going to influence how we grieve. But from that point forward, we're all doing the same work, which is rebuilding our lives. And some of that, that will include the traumatic elements that might be associated with sudden death. For other people, it'll include the traumatic elements that are associated with caring for your loved one and watching them deteriorate in front of your eyes until, um, until they take their last breath. And so each of those has its own, its own nuance, but to answer your question about whether there's more of that, I think that what we're experiencing now is a higher level of awareness about grief because people have been dying in a hundred million ways since the dawn of time. And we are less, more and less comfortable with it, depending on where you live in the world, depending on what you do for work, depending on how you were raised, depending on your spiritual or religious background. There's so many things that influence how comfortable we are with the grief process. Um, But when we look at something like the pandemic, like 9-11, like the gun violence, the horrible gun violence that we're living through, like all of these different things, the war in Ukraine, like there are a lot of times when there is just more death present in our, let's say in our consciousness. Um, and, and other times when we go about our life thinking, you know, that death is not really a part of our own lives until it happens to us. And, because we all are human and because we uh, love humans, we're all going to experience a level of grief at some point in our lives. And so being able to have conversations like this, being able to get comfortable with what those resources are that are available, being able to hear Holly talk about the many ways that you can choose a final resting place for your loved one. Um, these are all things that when we talk about them and normalize them through conversation and through being able to, to consider it and think about, you know, how it might be for other people, how might it be for us at some point in the future or how it is for us today. I think we, we do to, uh, the purpose of the podcast or the radio show today, um, make the world a little better place because it's a little bit easier for people to experience grief when they have had any opportunity to talk about it in some realm, you know, whether that's in advance, whether that's in the midst, but we need to talk about it. It's an ongoing issue that at least in this country, um, death is one of those things that we kind of hide from. And so that when somebody, when somebody passes away, uh, my brother-in-law passed away. We never saw him again. Um, and he committed suicide, but 
by the time we got there, he was gone and, and we never saw him again. Uh, and we do that in this society uh, mm -hmm. to a great degree. And in other societies, they don't necessarily. And so it's a little bit closer for them. Um, but so I, and I really don't know where I'm going with that other than to say that we, we, we don't deal with, we don't deal with that. We don't deal with grief. We don't deal with getting on with your life nearly as effectively as we could. Do you agree with that? Well, I have to say that, like, even listening to Holly talk about all the different ways that we could choose for our loved one's final resting place to be determined. Um, I think it's just, it's so interesting to me that other cultures spend time with dead bodies where we think to ourselves, ah, like dead body, don't want to see that. Um, I think that we've just been culturally trained to focus on life and to focus on health and to focus on things working out as we expect them to. And, and when you set yourself up for that, um, in terms of, you know, whether or not you're going to die, <laughs> it turns out we're all going to die. And so, you know, being able, we, it's not avoidable though, as a community, or at least in, in first world countries often, but in particular in the United States, we seem to be so focused on, you know, avoiding death and avoiding conversations about death and grief. And what that does for grievers is sets us aside in a way that makes it difficult for us to connect with the people around us. And I think that's one of the reasons why groups like what Soaring Spirits are so important, because that gives grievers a space to be able to freely discuss their grief, to be able to freely discuss the person who died without feeling like they're making the room uncomfortable. It gives people the opportunity to really have perspective of other people. So for me, a sudden widow, I meet another person who has had a longer term illness. And not only do we discover the things that we have in common, but we better understand each other's experience because we also explore the things that were different for each one of us as we came into our grief experience. So I think there's such a benefit in um, being in community when you're grieving, but also for for the broader community to understand that those those types of communities exist so that if and when your time comes to need that kind of support, you have a sense that it's out there. Because when Phil died, I was like, where do you go? I had no idea. In those days, was there a place to go? I'm sure there were places to go. And, and actually, you know, there were support groups too. So it wasn't that there were no support groups in my area. It was that there was nobody who was raising kids or was a young widowed person in my support group. I wanted to try to find other people who were living a similar experience to me. And so what I love about having the great privilege of serving so many widowed people is that we've been able to build in this community where pretty much anyone can find somebody who has a similar experience to them. And it just, it removes a bit of the isolation that's part of the grief experience naturally and gives people an opportunity to feel like there's somebody else like them. I'm not the only widowed person in the world. I knew it wasn't true, but I certainly felt like that on the first day that Phil, Phil died. You feel isolated, I'm sure. Holly, you you have uh, um, one of our sponsors is doing something special today. Um, and would you like to explain what that is? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But before we go there, um, there was a couple of things I saw on the Soaring Spirits website that it, I think would be perfect to mention right now. And it also ties into, um, like Michelle said when we were talking earlier for the funeral directing job, she said, wow, that's actually you know, kind of a, some really sensitive, sacred work that you do. And thank you for doing it. Um, so 
thank you, Michelle, for being so kind to say that. But one of my, one of my things that I get out of it when I'm helping people, um, is that I appreciate is that they a lot of times feel like it's the first time that it's okay to talk to someone about anything because, you know, it's the first person they've come into contact with. That's not healthcare related that is there to help them with the death related part of it. And they'll just open up and they'll ask questions a lot. One of my favorite sentences that people will use before they ask questions is this might be a weird question, but, (laughs) and I, anytime I hear that, it just makes me smile and I have to be careful. (laughs) I just love it because I know that they are comfortable. They're comfortable and we're going to be able to talk and I'm going to be able to help them. One of my favorite things that I get to say back to them through all of it, and there is a little bit of um, counseling classes that we have to have for our licensure, but it's that you're not alone. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I've seen it where it's like, you can tell that they've heard it a whole bunch, but all of a sudden they believe it because it's coming from someone that they feel safe talking about um, death and passing with. And um, it did see on your website that it looked like there was something related to like a you're not alone campaign. Was there mm-hmm. something that I saw on there? There is. And I'll tell you where that came from. Um, you are not alone. There are small business size cards and they're intended. And as a matter of fact, Holly, we do often share them with funerals, uh, funeral homes um, in order to connect people easily to specifically the resources that we offer for newly widowed people. So think of it as like a tiny business card that we anticipate people will carry in their bags or in their wallets. um, So that when they have the opportunity to share it with a widowed person, they can, but it came from one of our community members was in a pharmacy. And as she was in line waiting for her prescription, a person came in who had clearly experienced a recent death and uh, was there to pick up their own prescription for some kind of painkillers, I think. Um, But as she was waiting, she heard the story, which is her husband had just died in a motorcycle accident. And so she said she was walking around the whole store thinking to herself, what can I, how can I tell them? I got to tell them about Soaring Spirits, but I don't know what to say. And I also don't have any paper. And so she ended up writing the Soaring Spirits um, website on a gum wrapper. (laughs) And she went with the gum wrapper to this person and said, I know this is so weird, but I just couldn't leave without giving you this resource. And so we decided we needed to come up with something that would be a little bit more professional than the gum wrapper. And what it has done... It's given everybody who would want to help somebody a super easy way to do it. And all you have to do is say, hey, I've heard about this group. They've helped a lot of widowed people. I think it could be helpful for you. Hold on to this and, you know, check it out if you feel like it's going to be something that you might might be find valuable. And so those are available on the Soaring Spirits website, as Holly mentioned. They're free. So you can sign up and just say, could you send me a packet of cards? We send a small packet, comes in a little envelope that reminds you that acts of kindness matter and that this small act of kindness of you being able to be the connector between someone who has just had experienced the death of a spouse or partner and then bring them to Soaring Spirits. I always feel like if nothing else, they know they're not alone and they know where to find the people who can validate for them that this experience, you know, is possible to make your way through that you can survive and even thrive afterwards. And even if they only just opened the website and went, ah, there they are, 
um, I feel like that matters. So thank you for mentioning it because that is, it is such a great and easy way to connect people with our resources. Oh yeah, absolutely. I saw that and it had, you are not alone printed really big on the yeah. front. And I was like, Oh, that's the thing. I <laughs> that's love what I say. say. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's the one thing it's like yeah. out of all the darkness, if there's one tiny pinhole of light through your black sheet of your world right now, just know that you are not alone. And so I just wanted to ask about that. And uh, yeah, thank you so I'm much. I'm so glad for- you did. Yeah. Letting everyone know. Um, it's a dot org, right? Soaring spirit is dot org. Yes. Yeah. So yes. Help people find it as well. And that actually leads into, um, I, I was really curious about the resilience center because resilience is, um, a really deep, um, topic and really influential to people that are trying to learn a new normal as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin, let me know when you want me to go to your, your sponsor. <laughs> Right. I'll, I'll I love talking to Michelle. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what, let's, let's do this first. We've got to take a short commercial break. It's just a couple of minutes. So please hang with us. We're talking with, uh, uh, Michelle Neff Hernandez, and she is with the, uh, soaring spirits.org go there. You can I'll get all kinds of information. They have lots of free. Did I say free stuff for you that if you have the need and you hate to say it, but Everybody's going to have the need at one point or another. There's a group on Woodby Island. They call they're called the Widows Club. They are the largest group on Woodby Island. One has been a member three different times, so it's going to happen. And so it's better to be prepared. That's why we're having this conversation. So I hope you'll hang with us through these commercials, and we'll be right back with Michelle, Holly, and little old me right after this. Do you believe in the combination of brain work and spirituality? Her grace and sense of humor have made Allison Roberts highly sought after. She's a cognitive behavioral expert with natural intuition. Allison has guided thousands of people all over the world to find their internal power. Visit A-L-L-Y-S-O-N-R-O-B-E-R-T-S.com for your free guided meditation today. My name is Kevin McDonald, and I created Positive Talk Radio on KKNW 1150 AM. And if you like what we're doing here, evolving ideas one conversation at a time, we have so much more to offer you on PositiveTalkRadio.net. Over 160 podcasts and growing great positive guests and many thoughts and ideas designed to help you and your family live life just a little bit better. You can even contribute to our work by becoming a member and receiving lots of cool stuff. Please check it out. I created PTR because now's the time for positive change and nothing else matters. Again, visit PositiveTalkRadio.net and thanks for listening. When you want to say more than words communicate, you can with flowers. Your custom boutique floral studio in Bothell, Washington is anaturaldesign.com, connecting you to nature through the language of flowers. Where your people are is where our flowers are beautiful. Your success is our goal. Now through New Year's Eve, here's your exclusive bonus for being our appreciated listener. Type in promo code Positive Talk Radio at checkout to receive $20 off your order. Our gift to you for being here with us today. anaturaldesign.com. Have you ever said, how did I do this again? Want to create your own powerful life? Well, Allison Roberts can help resolve the issues that keep repeating by creating a new outcome. She is one of the top 100 coaches in the world 
and will help you achieve your dreams. Email her at allison at allisonroberts.com or visit allisonroberts.com and receive a free guided meditation and discover all of her ongoing programs and events. And welcome back, everybody, to Positive Talk Radio. My name is Kevin McDonald, and we've got a great show going for you today. We are talking with Michelle from SoaringSpirits.org, and they are a widow support program that is international in scope these days. And she's um, she's a wonderful person, and she this is. This really is, honest to goodness, her brainchild and has taken it from just a wee little itty-bitty thing to a huge organization. And it involves a lot of, by the way, Michelle, I wanted to ask you, if somebody wants to volunteer or wants to work to open up a, a chapter in Seattle, can they do that? They certainly can. And the way to do that is through the Soaring Spirits website, right at the top, it says volunteer, and it'll give you lots of options for what that volunteering can look like. That's, that's awesome. So, so Holly, um, our sponsor has got an idea. Um, and, and so tell us what that is. Yeah, absolutely. So one of your sponsors, so a natural design.com is sponsoring a nice hand lathed artisan wood urn. Um, and all you have to do is message them on the website. The first person that messages them um, can pick it up at the office and it is beautiful. These are artesian made by a Washington woodworker and they're an adult sized uh, wood urn. Um, and so a lot of times I, and I know this because of doing the funeral directing, but a lot of times people are so shocked and money is, you know, it's an unexpected passing and it's more expensive than anyone realizes, or people haven't planned ahead. Very few people currently plan ahead as far as my experience, but they leave with a little plastic lunchbox size box and it goes in the closet or it goes in the garage and it stays there for years and years and years. Cause it's so hard to emotionally and mentally get to the next phase, which is moving that from the necessity into something that's a little more memorable or you know, something nicer to honor the person. So they are um, graciously gifting your listeners with one of those urns and they just have to message on the website. And the retail value of this is yeah. $150. Yeah. Yeah. They're, well, they're really pretty. I don't get to eat for a week, but that's okay. <laughs> So, so if you if you have the need, and please only do this if you have the need. I don't want you to to buy it and then turn around and see it on eBay. But uh, if you have the if you have the genuine need, we would love to be of assistance if we can. So so that that's that's that. So did I say that right, Holly? You did. That is. Yeah. When you go to their website, a natural design.com, you can actually go to the search button and type in earn. And it's the first thing that pops up. You'll see it, an example of it. And then people will know what they're, what they're wanting, what they're asking for. <laughs> and Michelle, I'm in continuing our conversation with the resilience center. I just want everybody to know that uh, even though uh, losing a loved one is, is, a, is, can be a very difficult time for them 
for for the person that's widowed. That's not the end. And nor would your loved one who has passed want it to be the end. They want you to continue. And if what you, it's important for you to get whatever help that you need to continue. And Soaring Spirits is a great way for you to make connection with other people and to get the help that you need. They're not a, um, um, uh, a psychology uh, center, but they do work to get you community. And isn't community the biggest challenge and the biggest plus of what you're doing? It's definitely our focus is, is community and, and sitting side by side with that is the opportunity to help widowed people rebuild their lives. And I think that one of the struggles is that no matter who might want you to rebuild your life, including your late loved one, um, you have to decide that you want to rebuild your life in order for that rebuilding to be successful. And what we consider a successful rebuilding um, also makes space for your loved one in your life that you maintain an ongoing connection with your loved one and that your past is able to influence your future. That doesn't mean it directs your future, but it does mean that it has a place in your future Um, because so oftentimes people are are encouraged to leave the past behind. And when your past includes someone you love so much, um, it can make it really difficult for people to make the choice uh, if they're being required to no longer talk about or include their loved one in the future they're creating. So um, to answer kind of both, it's interesting that you brought up the volunteering, Kevin, because what the work of the Resilient Soaring Spirits has a resilience center, our resilience center is focused on researching the elements of resilience that specifically apply to the widowed experience, pairing those with what we know about resilience generally, and crafting custom programs that will help widowed people access those areas of resilience that we know will help them to build their lives um, in a meaningful way. And one of those things is volunteering, actually. It's not so much volunteering as a title, but more helping others. So one of the elements of of our rebuilding is, can you help others? Do you have a desire to help others? How can you use the experience that you've lived to connect and make meaning around um, what's been really hard for you in order to give it space in your new life? So the work of the Resilience Center, we have had more answers to surveys. I was told once by a researcher that we have enough uh, data in our databanks to keep a researcher busy for their entire career. (laughs) So, um, and that's because our widowed people respond so beautifully to the call to answer questions about their experience as a way of helping other people in the future. And so we're learning that our identity and sense of self is a key area of resilience, rebuilding that, figuring out who am I as a single person, who am I as a separate being from the person who my name used to be tied with. So I used to be Phil and Michelle. And then, you know, though I was always a whole person in that unit, I was still part of a unit. And so who am I as an outside of that unit person and having lived through the death of my spouse, um, how has that influenced who I'm becoming? So we've, we've taken all of these very kind of broad concepts and made them practical so that people can access resilience in bite-sized pieces. So one of the key elements of the resilience center is called the widowed resilience scale. 
It was published in the Omega Journal of Death and Dying in September of 2019. And actually, we didn't have any any influence on when the publication would come out. And it happened to be published on September 11th of 2019. My birthday. We all, oh, your birthday as well. If I had only known at that time, I would have thought it was double cool. (laughs) (laughs) But we just thought, what an amazing day for the the Widowed Resilience Scale to be published. And its purpose is to help define resilience in small, meaningful ways that feel achievable to people. So I'll give you an example. Um, Basically what the scale is, is a series of questions. Those questions are weighted and you are able to get results. So once you take our survey, a results email will be sent to you and it will give you suggestions on where best to use your energy to build your resilience. Recognizing how little energy uh, widowed people and grieving people in general often have, we want to take their energy and focus it in the most useful way. And so that survey helps us to determine what areas of resilience building are you most struggling with right now so that we can help give you practical suggestions in those areas to hopefully help build that up. Um, I'll give you an example. If you are taking on a job that typically was not done by you was always done by your partner and you're consistently feeling like you're failing at said job, then you, your sense of self is being diminished bit by bit by bit because you are feeling unable to take on this task that your loved one used to do. I'm going to give you an unusual example. Um, Many times when we have widowed men who's Uh, partners die and they were sharing children, especially young children, those widowed men struggle with doing their daughter's hair. So imagine like every day you're coming in and you're just thinking to yourself, if your mother was here, this would be so much better. I feel like as a dad, I'm failing. I feel like as a person I'm failing and there's this hair that needs to be done. (laughs) And, you know, my, my daughter's head's being, you know, pulled and, you know, He's never had the experience of having that hair. And so just the small task of watching some YouTube videos or connecting with another person who has a daughter, getting a couple of quick lessons on easy hairstyles that can make this task feel manageable. Imagine how much better he feels every time he walks in to get his daughter ready for school. And it's just the smallest practical thing that can start to shift the way we feel about how we're managing our life after the death of a spouse or partner. And there's a million examples of that, but that one I always love because you can just imagine like the, I don't know what to do with this kind of feeling that someone might have for any task that was something their partner always did and they didn't have to deal with. And so what the the resilience scales purpose is, is to take resilience and instead of making it a big broad concept, make it an everyday activity that will help you make your way through the grief experience by rebuilding step by step by step and acknowledging all along the way where you have built resilience and continued to show up for your life, show up for the people in your life and begin to build something meaningful for yourself and, and whatever family um, is a part of your everyday world. I just want to rave about that for a minute because a lot of people that haven't had to go through extensive education have no idea the power that you put in a weighted scale survey like that. And then also to have follow-up bite-sized actionable items that 
prove to help them with their overall um, process uh, rebuilding their life. It that is amazing. That is really, really amazing. We loved it. And we were so (laughs) excited and people take it every day. And so the other thing that's so cool about the scale is that it's intended for you to take it, take it again, three months later, take it again, six months later, take it again, a year later. And what you get to see is the proof yourself that you're continuing to build that resilience and also helps to take that small amount of energy, which is hopefully a growing amount of energy now and, and continue to point it in the direction of an element of resilience. That's going to be meaningful to you where you are right now. And that, that continues to shift as we live our lives, as our grief experience continues to evolve, as we face new and different challenges. Um, we're really, really proud of that widowed resilience scale and grateful for the opportunity to have it out in the world. We um, welcome, it is available for free and the scoring is also available. So Holly, I don't know if you saw that, but in the document center, um, the scoring for the resilience scale is also available. We made that available for professionals so that if they chose to use the scale, they would have access to the scoring element as well. That's phenomenal. I know a lot of times people around families and loved ones that suffered a recent loss, they want to help and, and they don't know how, and the person suffering the loss is so like can barely get out of bed. They don't know how to ask for help. Um, so little things like touching base and saying, Hey, is it okay if I bring you a ready to heat dinner, mm-hmm. <laughs> things like, and there's yeah. websites that help with this stuff too. It it's, and I'm sure you have resources like that connections on your website as well, but any, any time that people don't know how to help and the person doesn't know how to ask, um, just Google, how can I help? Yeah. <laughs> You're going to find I lists. Always there's literally people, lists. <laughs> there are lists for sure. And I always tell people like, if, if you can't think of anything, buy a gift card to a restaurant near that person that delivers, put it in a card and mail it to them. And I promise right. you, there's going to be a day when they're like, I have had it and I cannot do anything else. And they're going to remember, oh, that's right. I have that gift card. And the they will be extremely grateful for your thoughtfulness. And it's an easy, you know, no must, no fuss way of reaching out because some people, you know, I think it's important to recognize it's okay if you're not comfortable with the strong emotions around grief. That does not mean that you can't support the people in your life who are grieving. It just means that you have to do it in a way that feels authentic and doable for you. So rather than make the statement, call me anytime, I always ask people, so does that mean that if one of my kids um, has a fever and the other two are asleep, that you'd be willing to come to my house at three o'clock in the morning and sit with my kids? Uh, because if the answer is yes, I definitely want to know about you, right? I call that your 3am person. Who is your 3am person? If you don't have one, you got to develop one. And that means maybe reaching out to a local friend and saying we could be each other's 3am person. There are some things that some happen at three o'clock in the morning. I, I developed this kind of concept around the 3am person because I was told by a widowed person that over her widowhood, she had driven herself to the emergency room five different times because She didn't, not that she didn't have, so this is the important bit, not that she didn't have people she could call, but she didn't feel comfortable calling them at three in the morning. And so I said, okay, your job is to call one of those people 
Ask if it's okay if you call at three in the morning. Let them know they can call you at three in the morning. And now when something happens, you have permission. You guys have made this agreement and you're not going to be driving yourself or, you know, whatever happens, the pipes break in the middle of the night. Like I said, one of the kids has a fever and you don't want to take all three of them to the urgent care. Like there's a lot of reasons why you might need somebody at 3 a.m. And if you have made that agreement in advance, it makes all the difference to your ability to get support. I just want to mention just one thing, one thing, a couple, a couple things. First of all, I never thought that if I had to do a female's hair, that that would be an issue. But I would just say, Connie, can we cut your hair really short? <laughs> sure, <laughs> that happens. Uh-huh. <laughs> we'll sure just make a little happen. bob out of that, and that'll be that'll, that'll be really good. And uh, and the other thing is, uh, Holly, I just compliment you that unlike some of us, she she actually does research. And so she's been, been well, well aware of what this is. So it's, but it's, but I, but I just wanted to point out that what you just said is huge. I live alone. Mm-hmm. I do not. You have, need a three a.m. person. I know. I don't yes. have a three a.m. person, and yes. I'm one of those poor son of a guns that had to call. As a matter of fact, I called nine one one. I fell and hurt myself, and uh. and, and I called nine one one. And they said, 911, how can we help you? And I said, you've probably heard this before. <laughs> but I've but fallen, fallen and I can't, and get, I can't up. get up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and she laughed and, and said, are you serious? And I said, yeah, yeah. pretty much, yeah, and, and stuff. So, But that that is a good point for all, because more people are living alone yeah. than, than they ever have, really. Mm-hmm. Well, and we often don't think about the fact that we can support each other. And so one of the, I think one of the gifts that grief has given me is just this enhanced sense of community and how we can choose to be community for each other. And that when we do that, not only are we helping ourselves, we're helping other people. So let's say you, Kevin, agreed with a friend that you were going to be 3 a.m. people and that friend called you at 3 a.m. You get the opportunity to serve and to be of service. And you would, for your friends, you would want to. It's just that because no one's ever asked the question, we don't think of, you know, we don't feel free to make that call. And so that is one of the things we have a, what's called a newly widowed uh, checklist. And one of the things we ask is who's your 3 a.m. person um, and to write that down, because that helps you understand that, like I said, even if you don't have one, that means it's time to consider who might be one and develop a relationship with someone who um, could be that for you. Holly, any, any, any thoughts, any questions that you might have? Well, I just, I don't know. How much more time do we have? Because I, I want to have... talk to Michelle for like ever. <laughs> we, we have eight minutes. So okay, eight minutes. Okay. Seven well, minutes. seven minutes. Okay. Well, first I want to like thank Michelle again for being one of the angels among us uh, people to come on our show. And the only thing I didn't get to like touch on that I was curious, and it's one of the main um, navigation bars on there. And we talked about most of the other ones, but tell me more about the pen pal program. It's so it's such a cool program and funny because it started in 2008 and I thought for sure by now we would have outgrown it, that people would stop wanting pen pals. Turns out they continue to love the pen pal program and it was devised just because it was based on the relationship that I have with one, with my best friend. Um, we met six months after we were widowed. Um, she was widowed. She had actually been widowed four months. I'd been widowed six months. We started, we were introduced by my sister. Um, basically just like you two are both newly widowed. 
same age thought you guys might want to connect. And so we started emailing each other and I will tell you what, those emails were my lifeline in the beginning of um, my grief experience. And so when it came time to start developing programs for soaring spirits, I thought, well, couldn't we just model something on what Michelle and I did, which was have this pen pal program. Like we were basically pen pals. And so the pen pal program will match a widowed person with someone who's within 10 years of them in age within six months of them um, in terms of when their person died and have the same family situation, meaning having children or don't have children. We also have another filter for how your person died. Those, these three main ones are age, family situation, and how long your person's been dead. Well, then you have additional filters for if you had a sudden loss or specific kind of experiences, for example, suicide loss. We often will connect people who have had similar experiences so that they may share correspondence about that. Um, So what will happen is you'll make the request, you'll get three email addresses, and then you're free to email those three people and do a brief introduction to see if there is a, a pen pal connection that is made there. Um, sometimes it takes more than one try. So we often will give out more email addresses if people want them. Um, but what my favorite thing is that people will come to me at our camp widow, let's say, and they run up to me in a pair and they say, we just wanted to introduce you. We're pen pals. Like, so they meet in person, they travel together, they talk on the phone. I'm sure they zoom like people just, once they've made that initial connection by email, it's up to them how they might want to continue to connect. Um, but I don't even know the number of people who have been paired through the program. I need to check that because I, that's a, that would be a good stat to know, but um, <laughs> it's like I said, I've been going on since 2008 and people continue to sign up and continue to just really be moved by the fact that they have somebody that they could just email um, anytime because that works right any time of the night or day um, so it's yeah it is one of our one of my favorite programs Michelle I just wanted to touch base because in looking at your website and looking at the work that you do you have got a lot of free stuff we absolutely do the only thing we charge for is registration to the conference every other access to any of the programs the soaring spirits offers is free um, I do also want to highlight that, um, and, and maybe specifically for Holly, that we have a newly widowed um, Zoom call, a virtual meeting every single Tuesday at 3.30 or 3 o'clock Pacific time. So, um, and not only do we have that Zoom call, it's an, it's an educational Zoom call. So we help, we talk about specific topics that are always challenging for newly widowed people, sleep, managing strong emotion, PTSD, dealing with, um, you know, relationships that are falling apart. There's a, a whole gamut of opportunities for um, research and resources available through the newly widowed program. Um, we also record those and offer those recordings as an opportunity for people to watch back. So anybody who's newly widowed has the opportunity to join that Zoom group. It's free. Um, You'll need to sign up as a member on our Widowed Village forum, um, but that's the only requirement for attending those meetings. You're going out on the airways of Seattle. There are lots of people in traffic. If somebody wants, if a philanthropist wants to donate to your cause, how do they get that done? Because your work is super important. 
I love that question, especially because we welcome people to support the work of Soaring Spirits and be a part of this incredible uh, opportunity just to give hope and resources. You can do that on the Soaring Spirits website. There's soaringspirits.org. There's a big donate button at the top corner. Um, I also welcome partnerships in, in every way from sponsorships to philanthropy to members who could donate uh, just a bit a month. All of that is available through the Soaring Spirits website and yeah. gratefully accepted. Awesome. Uh, Holly, we, we got to run anything before we go real quick. It was so nice to be here. Thank you so much. It, <laughs> so it, good it was to be an, here. It was an awesome show. Michelle from SoaringSpirits.org. Go give her a million dollars. She's worth it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and thank you. Thank you so much, everybody. We're going to be back Friday at uh, noon. And take care of each other because each other's all we got. All right. Take care, everybody.